0: Jason Rugar of the Moomerics Podcast. Welcome to a special summer show. Every Friday, I'll be taking a look back to the summer of 1996. This was a box office season that was amongst the most competitive and influential in movie going history. On each show, I'll be chronicling the performance, critical response, and historical relevance of the biggest hits and the costliest misfires that shaped the summer of 1996. Episode 1. May 24th through the 27th, 1996. Our first film is Mission Impossible.
1: You really think we can do this? We're going to do it this summer.
2: It will be impossible. Is he serious? Always. To catch your breath, to keep your cool to believe
1: your eyes. These guys are trained to be ghosts. Because this summer... You don't know what you're missing. The impossible happens. Tom Cruise,
2: Mission Impossible, rated PG-13.
0: Traditional thinking, pre-1996, was that Memorial Day weekend was the kickoff of the summer movie-going season. With that in mind, Paramount Pictures dated their blockbuster offering, Mission Impossible, on this lucrative weekend. After missing its initial November 1995 release date, Mission was pushed back and given extra time to build anticipation through a series of tie-ins that ranged from Apple Computers and Marvel Comics to even a toy line. Mission Impossible was considered a box office guarantee and probable winner of the summer box office crown. It starred the world's biggest movie star in a remake of a popular TV show, a formula that The Fugitive employed to phenomenal success three summers prior. The only problem was a little movie called Twister that had opened up to $41 million two weeks earlier. This gargantuan opening was followed by a second weekend of $37 million, a scant drop-off of under 10%. So when Mission opened with 56.8 million, it felt muted. Somehow, some way, the film was looked at as an underperformer.
2: Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. Ethan Hunt will be your point man as usual.
1: Tom Cruise leads a team of spies in Mission Impossible, a solid adaptation of the 60s TV show thanks to Brian De Palma's creepy and exciting direction and the absolute conviction of Tom Cruise himself in the lead role. And it is the standard Tom Cruise role. Just like in Top Gun, Cocktail, and Days of Thunder, Cruise plays a gutsy guy with a stubborn streak, that more than matches his technical expertise. Now, as exciting as that is, I actually preferred the invasion of CIA headquarters by Cruz to that train ride. The Breaking In, inspired by the jewel Heist picture, Rafifi, and later repeated by Jules Dassin in Top Cappy, is a superb, nearly silent action sequence that pulls this whole movie together. But my biggest compliments go to Cruz himself. He believes in his stories to such a degree that his conviction in the material, bounces off the screen, and carries us along, too. Ultimately, he's the reason we care about the very convoluted goings-on in Mission Impossible. I had people, Roger, tell me, I don't know what this movie was about, couldn't figure it out.
2: you know, I don't think you and I know what it was about, because earlier today we had a long discussion trying to figure out exactly what Cruz is doing and why, and it really doesn't matter, because it's all surface. This movie is, in a way, the opposite of The Arrival, which was about ideas. In this movie, you'd be very hard-pressed. To extract an idea from it. It's all visuals, it's all situations, yeah. it's all adventure and spectacle but and this, special effects but and, this and, and suspense. But this and very done. And very and very well done. I'm yes. just impressed, and this is why these actors and
1: Harrison Ford is another one. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 acting of action heroes yes. is so undervalued by critics and by the Motion Picture
2: Academy, but it pays off. it's hard to do. It's hard to do. The only thing that I question about this movie is, seeing as I did enjoy it... I did too. ...and I'm giving it a thumbs up, I wonder if it might have been better if they had had a plot that anyone could understand, because I defy anyone to come out of this movie and explain to me or to you or to anybody else exactly what everybody was doing and why. There's a lot of double dealing. I I think I could take a stab at it. There's a lot of double
0: dealing, but there's also a lot of fudging. It would eventually go on to gross 180 million in the u.s and place as the third highest grossing film of the summer the franchise is still alive and well as of this recording with entries seven and eight being shot back to back for a 2023 and 2024 release this inaugural entry of the series is a love-hate affair for me i remember seeing it opening day after months of hype and i left feeling slightly disappointed it was better than goldeneye but it wasn't the movie i thought it was going to be at 16, this bothered me. But as the years have gone by, I find myself drawn back to it. The atmospheric lighting, Dutch tilt camera angles, and its labyrinth-like story are pleasures to this middle-aged fan. Our next film is Twister. It's coming! On May 10th. Come on! Get in the ground! take cover right now!
2: The producers of Jurassic Park and the director of speed bring you face to face with Twister. Get out of there! Hurry! There's no place to run. Right. There's nowhere to hide. Left. No time
0: to escape. Right.
2: Don't think. It's gonna drop right on us! Find something to grab a hold up! Don't breathe.
0: And never, ever look back.
1: G13 starts Friday May 10th at a theater near you
0: Twister plays second for the long weekend and was the sleeper hit of 1996 the former cinematographer Jan Duont made his directorial debut on speed and was back behind the camera for this project written by Michael Crichton for a sum of 2.5 million, making it, at the time, the most expensive screenplay ever written, and produced by Steven Spielberg. Despite the rich pedigree of talent, physical production was troubled, plagued by technical difficulties due to the early requirements and parameters of CGI. The original cinematographer, Don Burgess, walked off the film with his crew due to DeBont's abusive behavior, and lead actors Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt were blinded when megawatt lamps were used to simulate lightning strikes malfunction and went off in their face. Meanwhile, Hollywood's top script doctors, including Yoss Whedon, Steve Zillion, and Jeff Nathanson, were brought in to individually rework the screenplay, which is bewildering as I find their writing the least interesting aspect of the movie. Everybody down in
2: the pit! Get down! Let's go, everybody down! Go, move, come on!
1: A team of tornado-obsessed scientists encounters the windstorm of their dreams and nightmares in Twister. I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune.
2: And I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Our first movie is Twister, a film about storm chasers on the trail of deadly tornadoes. As the movie opens, Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton play a couple who are on the edge of finalizing their divorce but still share one crucial thing in common, an obsession with tornadoes. Twister starts out with a tornado and keeps on throwing tornadoes at us for 117 minutes. I felt like I had spent an eternity in weathercaster hell. In between, there's a silly plot involving Paxson being caught between his first wife and his current fiance. But with Twister's arriving every 20 minutes, who cares? At one point, the fiance just gives up. There's a great line where she says, When you told me you chased tornadoes, I thought that was a metaphor. Well, if so, it would have been the only one in this movie. I admired the special effects in Twisters, but not enough to recommend the rest of the film. I had the same reaction, Roger. It is a ridiculous story surrounding the Twisters.
1: Now, think about it for a second. (laughs) You're you're making this movie. You're farming out the special effects to ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, the best special effects house in the world. Yes. You know they're going to be great. Yes. So why not take your time and write a fresh story, something exciting Uh around it. It shouldn't be too great a challenge this cornball business of the marriage that's gonna you know come together as they fight the twisters and then toss away the other wife and then the rivalry between two groups one in black oh yeah cars and oh, the, the other in the bad guys cars.
2: the bad guys have corporate sponsors yeah yeah I
1: mean Ridiculous. Yeah, and, and the
2: Lois Smith, the old person in a movie, only there to be a victim. I mean, yeah, and and come here's on. another thing, Gene. Remember the invention they have called Dorothy? Yeah. Which is going to have, they have these little spheres little. that have sensors inside okay. that will be sucked up into the tornado right. and be able to read it. It looks like uh, RGD2, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. And then when they have to get it out of the pickup truck, two people can lift it yes. easily. That's interesting. And then I realized. All the blinking lights are just window dressing. Basically, this is a garbage can filled with little plastic things that the tornado is going to suck up. Unbelievable.
0: Twister cost $90 million to produce, with $3 million of that going to its headlining director. The movie would eventually gross $242 million, or $500 million in today's money, and place second for the summer in terms of tickets sold at the domestic box office. It would be nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Visual Effects, and Best Sound. I vividly recall seeing Twister in a packed movie house on a Friday evening. The crowd was enthralled with the e-ticket ride, in which a bigger storm appeared every fifteen minutes. The scenes with the human characters served only as placeholders and plot movers to get to the next outrageous, CGI-filled set piece. But it's a one-trick pony of a movie. I've tried revisiting it over the years and only struggle to get through it. The special effects are now dated, and the clunky story structure and boring main characters make this one a stinker in hindsight. However, in the early summer of 1996, Twister was an outright mass audience pleaser. Our next film is Spy Hard.
2: Bob, quiz, hot shot, someone on the bus without a transfer. He won't pay the fare. What do you do? What do you do? Next stop, Marrows. I think.
1: Move over, James. Leslie Nielsen is... Let me guess. You are dick still.
2: Agent WD-40.
1: Tell me about you.
2: Well, I like loose-fitting clothes and I drive a 69 Pinto. He's on a mission so secret... That's a
0: very powerful (coughs) flamethrower. ...even he
2: doesn't know what he's doing. He'll have to step into the line of fire... Back in the car! ...in the year's biggest cliffhanger. To rid the world of
1: Andy Griffith. I'm back, big as life and twice as ugly. Hollywood Pictures presents. I've decided I love you.
2: But what about my father?
1: I like him. I just have to get to know him better. Spy Hard.
2: He's got a license to spill.
0: Spotting third for the weekend was Spy Hard, the latest spoof from the lovable Leslie Nielsen. After achieving success in the Naked Gun series, producers tried to add Nielsen to their projects in the hopes that his audience would follow, regardless of the genre being parodied. Spy Hard sent up the James Bond films, a year before Austin Powers hit screens. It opened with $10 million and grossed $27 million, or around $55 million in today's money. This would be the high point of Nielsen as his subsequent films would gross less and less. This included Mr. Magoon and The Woeful, Wrongfully Accused. Jason Friedberg and Aaron Seltzer, the writers behind the original Scary Movie, were responsible for scripting duties on this one. Spy Hard was met with universally harsh criticism. Most people, like myself, found this picture on home video or cable. It's a perfectly acceptable time waster. Not in the League of Naked Gun, but not dreadfully unfunny like other spoof movies from the early 1990s. Spy Hard is a mystery in that it sold $27 million worth of tickets, and I've never met anyone who saw it in a theater. Our last film is Flipper. Time magazine says Flipper is a cool dude. A tidal wave of
2: entertainment. Jump!
0: So uh, you know.
2: And People Magazine raves, Flipper will knock your snorkels off. <laughs>
1: Paul Hogan. You really care about Flipper, don't you? Elijah Wood.
0: Don't ask me how he does it, kid. Even I can't explain it.
1: Flipper, rated PG, starts Friday at Theaters Everywhere.
0: Coming in in fourth place for the weekend was Flipper, with $5.5 million dollars. The kids' film from Universal Pictures was hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, like the previous summer's hit, Free Willy, Babe, and Casper. Based on a 1960s TV show, much like Mission Impossible, this feature film adaptation stars Paul Hogan, Elijah Wood, and a young Jessica Alba. It's an amiable little flick, with nice location photography in the Bahamas and a likable performance from Hogan as the salty sea dog sailor. While critics were underwhelmed, audiences gave the film an A- rating. Here's what Siskel and Niebuhr had to say. Yes, Flipper,
1: TV's most popular denizen of the sea, is back, but he doesn't get much support in this big screen version, in a film that communicates very little of the beauty and wonder of dolphins, and I'm really surprised they didn't do that. The story is weak, as a young boy, Elijah Wood, slum over his parents' recent divorce, is sent for the summer to his uncle's house in the Florida Keys, where he is befriended by a dolphin. The Dolphin's tricks are the same ones we've seen for 30 years watching the TV show and also the first time they made a Flipper movie back in 1963. The bad guy in the film is a businessman who is dumping toxic waste in the ocean, and here he's confronted by the boy's uncle, played by Paul Hogan of Crocodile Dundee fame. His character is the only original element in the film weird now i'm not asking for this to be a dolphin documentary but just by coincidence a couple of years ago on my vacation with my family down in the florida keys i swam for a few hundred yards with a dolphin named aphrodite at the excellent (laughs) dolphin research center well it was magical all that silky power well i got none of that sense with flipper a movie that is totally behind the times i don't understand roger why they can't seriously Why not write a script that
2: would teach somebody about something? This is a dumb movie, and you know, I love the touch where the bad guy was throwing the hazardous waste overboard, and then when they get the flippo cam down there, you can tell it's hazardous waste, because they have the 55-gallon drums, and each one is carefully labeled hazardous waste. I'm sure they paint it on there right before they throw it off. It's a, it's a silly movie. And, you know, Elijah Wood is a very good actor. I've praised can him be. a lot on the show. Sure. He's wasted in this movie. Hogan is a very likable guy. He can, right. he can just kind of, basically all he does is kind of sit there, and he's likable, but there's no story Why here.
1: not, if you're going to make a film about a dolphin, at least pay lip service and teach us one thing?
2: They're gonna make money from
1: this. They're gonna make a lot of money off of kids from this. Why not give the kids something back?
2: The thing that I think we really need to ask after having seen this movie is, I didn't know before seeing this movie that Dolphins can read minds, and Flipper obviously can just like Lassie too.
0: Flipper would go on to make $20 million domestically on a $25 million budget, and was written off as an early casualty of the box office season. That'll be it for this week. Join us next week when we look at May 31st through June 2nd, 1996.